Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. Hey, this is Mike O'Connell with another podcast of It's All Journalism. Before we get going, I, I wanted to point out that the audio on this, uh, my interview with Sachin Kamdar of Parsley, the data analytics platform, the audio on uh, Sachin's end is a little echoey. I apologize for that, but it's a great conversation, and I think you'll find out quite a lot about how to use data to inform your decisions about how you engage with your readers. And now we can both look at what is happening real time on your site, how people are engaging with your content, and then also look at uh, things historically. Where do your loyal users fall? How are you growing new users? What platforms are they coming from? And so all of this is a voice of and a, and a feedback me mechanism of your users telling you what they're interested in, what they're, where they're coming from, and how you can use that data to empower the way that you think about your content, you think about promoting that content, Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about digital media and the people who make it. Today I'm talking to Sachin Kamdar, co-founder of and CEO of Parsley. Welcome to the podcast, Sachin. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. First of all, in, in the interest of transparency, Parsley is one of the data analytics platforms that I use in my day-to-day -day job at uh, Federal News Radio. So hopefully we can get some insight from that. But uh, for many of those who may not be familiar with your company, could you sort of give uh, Parsley's elevator pitch? Yeah, absolutely. So at our core, what we're doing is we're bringing everybody inside a media company, executives, journalists, analysts, basically across the board. We're bringing them closer to their audience. The way that we're doing that is through data and analytics. And we have a variety of products that we offer from our core analytics suite that looks at real-time and historical data, pulls in third-party data from social networks and gives you a way to beautifully visualize what's happening on your site, to our API that allows you to power products directly on top of that data, to even our data pipeline product, which allows you to build your own bespoke or custom analytics solution on top of Parsley's infrastructure. So why are data analytics important to people in the media? It really comes down to the way that the industry has changed over the last couple of decades and, and why there's actually a really big opportunity on the data and analytics side. So the change, as everybody knows, is that everything went digital. And with that process of going to digital, what you now had is an easy mechanism to really understand your users. And it's really data that is the, the voice or the lens for you to understand your users. Back in the print days, pretty much all you had was circulation numbers, maybe letters to the editor to get a sense of what people were interested in or what resonated with them. And now we can both look at what is happening real time on your site, how people are engaging with your content, and then also look at uh, things historically. Where do your loyal users fall? How are you growing new users? What platforms are they coming from? And so all of this is a voice of and a, and a feedback me mechanism of your users telling you what they're interested in, what they're, where they're coming from, and how you can use that data to empower the way that you think about your content, you think about promoting that content, and you think about reaching the potential of your content through that data. One of the things that you mentioned in there was reader engagement. What does that mean? 
speaking in a journalistic sense. What does a journalist want to sort of get out of that? What is this data? You know, how is the data sort of informing that? It's a good question. And we actually did a survey at Parsley about a year ago where we actually reached out to our customers to ask the same thing. Because what we were kind of hearing in the market is that people had different definitions of what they considered reader engagement to be. And inevitably, that was the case with the survey results. It was kind of all over the place. There wasn't a clear way that people were thinking about reader engagement. And I think that is okay. And that makes sense because my opinion is that most publishers, most digital media companies are in different phases of their kind of life cycle overall. And so for them, engagement means different things. Take a a publisher like BuzzFeed, where they really consider engagement to be social performance and how their content is getting shared. That's going to be very different than a New York Times where for them it's all about loyalty and getting people to subscribe. And then you're going to have publishers that are everywhere in between where driving new unique unique visitors or page views are, are really important because of an advertising model or really thinking about time spent becomes important because they have the sponsored content play. So engagement depends on kind of you as a publisher or a a media company and how you're thinking about what is engaging to your users. For Parsley though, we do have a kind of structured way of how we're thinking about engagement overall and that really falls under an engaged time mechanism. So what we kind of care about is how much time is somebody actively spending on a article. That gives us a sense of whether that article resonated with them, how engaged they were were with that piece of content, and did they actually read uh, the article overall. So so that's, that's kind of our way of thinking about it. Yeah, and as we have sort of folded more data analytics into our day-to-day work here at Federal News Radio, what we've been doing is sort of evolving our approach to our uh, readers uh, interact with our website. I think at a very basic level, a lot of, you know, websites, people are, are, they're concerned about how many clicks they're getting, how many people are coming to Mm -hmm. the site. But I think as we begin to see how people spend their time on the site, how much time they read a story, how deep they go into a story, what the recirculation is, you know, where, where they jump off to on the website, Yep. off of your front page or out of a story. I mean, those types of patterns become much more important overall in our strategy. How does like a, a platform like what Parsley do sort of help us to sort of glean that information? So one of our main pieces of value, um, something that we try to stay very, very close to as we add new features and we add new value to the product is accessibility. What's really important to us is not just the fact that we're able to slice and dice a a user's engagement with an article or a group of users coming from Facebook in a variety of different ways, but what's really important is being able to do that plus remaining accessible for anybody that wants to understand their audience better. So uh, we kind of like to say internally that for, you know, Anybody at a media company, what we want to do is turn them into their own analysts. They don't have to rely on a analyst team to get sort of a basic understanding of what is happening with their audience. That's not to say that they shouldn't have an analyst team. In fact, I think they're really important, but they're really important when it comes to getting more sophisticated understanding, more complex layer where you might need to do things more aggressive on the data science or data engineering side. So yeah, so for us, it's about that accessibility function when you're thinking about 
where your audience is and where they're, they're in relation to your own strategy and being able to say, yeah, we've changed the way that we thought about our site. We're no longer looking at page views. We really want to understand things like recirculation. We want to understand things like average engaged time across a specific section or a vertical. We try to make that as easy as possible to get to. And not only get to that, but then get answers of why that is happening, what things are going to impact engagement, what things are going to drive more recirculation on your site. Yeah, and that brings up a couple of different things because um, we can look at it, I think, in two ways. One, editorially, you know, having a better understanding of, of the types of stories your, your readers are interested in and the types of stories that they're spending more time in, you can make, you know, oh, they like stories about X. Well, I'll, we'll do more stories about X or maybe we'll do stories about X, but in a greater, you know, detail, uh, you know, you know, sort of blow that out. Not so much to you know, alter to the point that we're just going to give readers what they want, but maybe give them what they want, but also, you know, fold in whatever our, the particular mission is of our website. Because ultimately what we want to do is create a better informed reader. But then on the other side of this is, especially on sites like ours, which are commercial sites, the understanding that we're sort of, I think as an industry, we're moving beyond just the page view yep. clicks uh, metric, which was which was how much how many so many decisions were made on the business side. You know how many people are coming to the website. Well, it's not so much just about getting people to click on a uh, on your website or come to your website or click on a story, but having them spend more time, having them more exposed to your your content, creating a richer experience by by learning from what they're telling you about what they're interested in, and then giving them that so that they come back to you more and more. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, from the one hand, we can talk about this on an uh, editorial side, but on the business side, it, it's, you know, it's sort of draw, driving the evolution of the online business model for uh, digital publications. Yeah. I mean, I think what's what's really interesting about that, that insight is that I think what you're going to see happen and call it the next couple of years, five years or so, is publishers media companies are going to get really, they're going to have to get really sophisticated about their audience because they're going to have several business models operating in tandem. I think the best publishers out there are not just thinking about one business model, but they're thinking about all these different ways that they can extract value out of their audience. And so what that means is that you have to have a keen understanding of your audience. If you're going to have a ad play and a subscription play and an event play and maybe a sponsored content play and maybe a commerce play on top of that, you better be damn sure that you understand how to siphon off both your content and your audience in the right direction so you're getting the most value out of them. And so that's where I think data becomes really, really important because there are different metrics that you could think aligning with each one of those plays. So like for ad play, I think, you know, Page views and clicks get a bad rap, but they still are the name of the game when it comes to ads, right? And so you still have to consider those metrics if you have an ad play as part of your business. For subscriptions, you're really going to think about kind of conversions and loyalty. How are people coming back to my site? How are they signing up for newsletters and other things like that? What type of campaigns are working for them? For an event play, it's going to be very similar to that. 
For a commerce play, it's going to be maybe more related to kind of affiliate linkage and campaigns that are related to it. From a sponsored content play, they're going to care more about engagement and like how people are actually consuming topics that are similar to what a sponsored content or a brand might run on a sponsored content play. So all of these metrics are important. And they are all aligned with different avenues of how you can make money from your audience. But I think the best publishers are going to be using all of them in tandem so that they are squeezing as much value as they can out of the right audiences at the right time. Yeah. And the more you understand how people are coming to your site and seeing what they're interested in reading and what they're spending their time engaged with, it can better inform you with the types of decisions that you're going to make from the money-making side of it. For example, with our site, we have these eBooks, which are sort of in-depth looks into, you know, cybersecurity or some other te- technology that, you know, our readership is telling us that they're kind of interested in this. Well, why don't we get an expert to write an eBook on a, a particular thing? And we sort of section that off as, as a revenue stream. And, you know, looking for cues from from your audience. And it's not, you know, it's not so much about, you know, let's just make something clickable. Let's just make something that that they want, but actually listening to them tell you that, hey, I like your site, but I especially like this type of content on it. Yep. And, and what more can you provide me? And then sort of giving that to your readers. I, I love the way you frame that because, you know, what your readers are doing is they're basically telling you what they want. And if you're not listening and if you're not saying, hey, I want to give you more of this stuff, right, then you're doing yourself a disservice. And I think what often happens in the industry is people think that uh, giving users what they want is some type of a commoditization of the content that they're producing. But I think that's largely a result of kind of the, the, the forced perspective on what gets shared the most or what's getting the most like clicks in real time. And what often gets ignored is some of these other metrics that are arguably just as, if not more important around kind of loyalty or engagement or thinking about, okay, people share this a lot, but are actually, are they actually clicking through and, and coming to our site to read the, read the content? So I, I think all of that stuff is important in aggregate and, and you really need to think about, First, what your goal or objective is for you as a, as a media company or as a, as a publisher. And then second, what are the right metrics that align with those goals? And then how do you architect your team around those so that you're getting, again, the most value out of your, out of your audience and out of your content? Well, and, and to use Federal News Radio as, a, as an example, because obviously it's, it's the one that I'm most familiar with, is we're a news site, but we're a specialty news site where we yeah. cover the federal bureaucracy. You know, our interest of, of getting people to come to our site, we're not looking for that broad audience that a regular news site would w- want to want to get. And so for us, there's a certain type of audience that we want to get. And it helps us to identify, you know, having good data analytics helps us to identify that, you know, who those people are and, you know, where they're coming from. And, you know, for our editorial mission is to reach even a strata in that, the federal managers. And so for us, it's, you know, catering our content to that particular audience, sort of measuring our success of how many, you know, certainly we're going to get people from a broader audience in here, but how many of the that target audience that we can bring in who are loyal to us and, you know, who sign up for our newsletters and, and who 
you know, become, you know, regular listen, regular readers. They come back, you know, yeah. a couple of times a week. And, you know, those are the people that, that we're targeting advertising to, that we're, we're doing our other content toward. You know, it, it's the old idea, the old model of journalism where you're telling the reader what, what's important. I mean, certainly there are things that you're going to cover that are important. And that be, that's still part of your mission and the content that you produce. But at the same time, you know, you, you want to listen to your reader so that you can understand what it is that they, you know, the content they like and fold the, you know, fold the vegetables in with the candy as it were. Right. right. No, no, no. I think that's right. I mean, the example that I like to give there is like, you could be creating really the right type of content, both from the editorial perspective of, I think people need to know about this. And then also from a audience perspective where they want to read it, but there could be a case where if you don't look at the data, you don't recognize that, well, a lot of your audience, when it comes to this type of content, are consuming it via Twitter. And as a result, you don't promote it there. So you just missed out on like a potential opportunity of aligning your editorial objective with where the readers are finding this type of content. And it's a missed opportunity as a result. And if you just looked at the data and you saw, well, you know, when I produce this topic or this type of content, I, I better be sure to promote this on Twitter so that it reaches its potential. That's when you can like have really good things happen where it's a mixture of both art and science from the science being the data perspective and the art being, you know, the content creation and the editorial judgment that goes into it. Yeah. The, the referral traffic is a, is a really useful metric in the data analytics that you get. You know, you give the example of Twitter. I think pretty much any news site that you're going to talk to, they're going to they're going to tell you that on Facebook, you know, there's there's a lot of engagement on Facebook. There's a there's a lot of benefits if you're successful on on Facebook. But you know, because Facebook is what Facebook is, it's sometimes difficult to to generate those things and make those things happen. But when they hit, they hit big. Yeah. And likewise, uh, search is also hugely important. And understanding how you can, you know work on good SEO with your headlines, not just make your headlines clickable, but make, make them searchable so that they have a life beyond, you know, whatever your particular news cycle is. One of the things that, that's been sort of interesting to us is we've sort of improved our SEO based on data analytics over the last, last year or so is seeing stories that are months old, you know, reappear in our, uh, you know, top clicked stories because they still have a life beyond could you sort of talk about the what you've been able to look at with the data you're getting from your customers about sort of what the life of a, a story online is? I think that is a great example. Evergreen content can be incredibly powerful because evergreen content is basically the gift that keeps on giving, right? When we looked at across the Parsley Network, the average lifespan of an article was about 2.6 days. So that's what you can expect if you produce a piece of content that's how long it'll, it'll likely have a lifespan of before, you know, 90% of the traffic has already been collected and the rest is just, is kind of long tail traffic. If you can find the right evergreen content and, you know, there are strategies to do that, thinking about seasonality, thinking about, you know, things that don't have a news cycle spin to it and things that are more just lifestyle oriented or stuff that doesn't die with time. Uh, it can, like I said, be the gift that keeps on giving. There's also a component on the referral side related to this when we did our analysis of evergreen content. So this is kind of interesting. When you look at content 
that is getting uh, a lot of traffic on Twitter, the lifespan is actually shorter than average. I believe it was 1.9 days. I have to double check or you can go to parsley.com slash authority and download the report to look at it. But what was more interesting is that when you looked at Facebook, it actually extended the lifespan to I think like 3.2 days. We're not 100% sure of why this is the case, but you might be able to, to kind of guess anecdotally, which is with Twitter, everything is reverse chronological for the most part. They've changed this over the last several months, but when we did the report, it was all reverse chronological. So you're only seeing things that are like happening right now. They're live event driven, they're kind of news driven. And I think it makes sense that when you get uh, traffic from Twitter, the lifespan of that content, because it's all live news kind of driven, is going to be very short. Facebook though has their newsfeed algorithm. And so at any given time, Facebook might decide that there is a really interesting play with a certain story and they can boost your traffic beyond the average lifespan because they're showing things based upon their own algorithmic take of what they should be showing to their audience or what their audience is interested in. And so I, I think it was kind of interesting to note that um, Facebook can extend the life cycle, Twitter is less. I think with Google, it, it's also just like you pointed out, Michael, Google can also be a great driver of evergreen traffic as long as, you know, it, again, it's not newsy things and it's more kind of lifestyle or evergreen oriented topics. In the same sense, the, you know, what we see on our front page, you know, you said that the story of life on a, on a website is, you know, just a couple of days. And an understanding of when your readers come to your website, what time of the day, you know, yeah. make sure to have fresh content. But even beyond that, understanding that even your regular readers aren't necessarily coming to you every day. And so a story that may be dropped on Monday, maybe they don't get to the site until Wednesday or Thursday. And suddenly, you know, a story that's a few days old is still relevant. And yeah. so learn looking at the data analytics and, and the way traffic is moving on your front page and understanding that here's a story that's a few days old that's still getting traffic. Maybe you put that in a more prominent place so that it gets more gets more heat. And understanding that the front page of your website is a dynamic thing. It's not something you just update once a day or, or even something that you update like at a regular editions, but understanding the patterns of your, your audience, when they're going to be there, and being flexible and being willing to make changes as you see the movements happen. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that's that's what we do. That's that's some something that I that I really enjoy about looking at all, you know, we we've got about three or four different data sets that we we look at and just using things from from Parsley and from, you know, Google Analytics and other things and sort of making decisions. That's it's a really challenging and, a, and sort of a fun thing and it and it, it really is enriching to understand, you know, what I said before, the old model of, of journalism where you're broadcasting, you're telling people what they read and, and just picking up on what your readers are interested in and making movements to help more people. You know, one of the things we do in the morning, and we use Parsley to help us inform this decision, is when we come in, we take a look and, and see how performance is on our top headlines. And we'll switch headlines around just based on what people are clicking on, and they're telling us that this is the story they're most interested in this morning. So let's make sure that that gets prominent play. And yep. we, we see from that, then that that story gets even bigger. 
at the same time, we have to watch to make sure as the, as the news cycle sort of changes and that sort of story sort of fades is when that we need to move that and move something else in. It's just constantly moving pieces around. Yeah, I mean, your your audience is continually talking to you. So the question is, are you listening? How often are you listening? And are you listening to the right things that are meaningful for your business? Okay, so I mean, you talked a little bit about what's coming up in the, in the coming years. What else do you think you know, can news sites sort of expect as we get better data analytics? What types of decisions do you think we'll be able to make? Yeah, so I think, you know, a lot of the things that are going to be up and coming in the data analytics world for for new sites are going to be more about not just thinking about what has happened right now, but thinking more about what could happen in the future and and really getting to like benchmarking related to to your own site. So how did we benchmark when we produce this article to other articles similar to this? Did it get more traffic in a certain area, less traffic in another area? relative to what we've seen historically. And, and then also predictive things. So like I just, I just posted an article, what should I expect in terms of my ability to grab audience or time engaged? And you know, the hope is that Parsley and companies like Parsley can further the intelligence that we're giving to you guys and, and the customer and the industry at large to help make the process more efficient, to give you more insight about your audience and then really allow you to marry that art and science to, to, again, have content reach its potential uh, with your audience. Well, before we wrap up, I did want to ask you about video. There, you know, yeah. Certainly over the last year, there's been this big push you know, with, with Facebook Live and uh, you know, Periscope and uh, you know, um, that other one whose name escapes me. But this idea that having live video is creating engagement and whether it's you know, that engagement is on your website or whether it's on a social media platform, is, you know, is video as big as, I mean, is it as big as it, everybody says it is? Video is an interesting thing because I think a lot of the demand in the industry is driven for business reasons, which is that you can make more money with a video ad than you can with a display ad. And so I think a lot of, a lot of organizations are ready to pick up video. That said, it is uh, overtly clear that video on the web is here to stay. And you see that by how, uh, how popular platforms like YouTube and Facebook video are. So it's clear that consumers do want to watch video. Now, I think the interesting intersection is whether that is translating onto the publisher side yet. And from, from our perspective, it's still a question mark. So we actually did a recent report looking at engagement relative to, and again, you can find that on parsley.com slash authority. Um, so we looked at engagement relative to different types of formats. So we looked at long form content, short form content, video content, slideshow content. And really the question we asked is what format would be the most engaging? And I think intuitively it makes sense that video would be the most, most engaging by the sheer fact of the format, it is audio, it's visual, you know, you can really kind of engage with what you're seeing and hearing when you're, when you're consuming video content. But by and large, the success was long form content as the most engaging piece. Now, I think this says a couple of things. I think it first says that don't, don't downplay uh, long form content. It can be a great way to engage your audience and maybe turn them into loyal visitors. But second, I think there's more work to be done on the video side. And we really have to be thinking hard about the experience related to video, um, whether it's slowing down the site, 
whether you're having ads in the wrong place, and then whether you're producing the right video and getting it out there to the right places, which is where the, the kind of data component comes into play. So to help with that, we launched our video analytics solution um, a couple weeks ago, and it does a lot of what you expect Parsley would do with video around grouping content, video content together by topic, understanding what video, what pages with video are performing well, and just getting a better overall understanding of how to um, efficiently and effectively use video on your site. The question is still out there on how it translates back to the media publisher side, but um, there is an opportunity. We know that consumers want more video. We know that there's a money-making case there, so let's we, it's on us to just make sure that we're doing it in the right way. Glad you mentioned sort of this this long form um, aspect of it. It's being very successful. I mean, obviously, if you have a website, a news site, you kind of have to look at what your content is, what your mission is, and who your target audience is, and you know, look at the data from that and what they tell you because you can make some bad decisions based on just sort of a first blush. Oh, look, you know, you know, people aren't reading about my long stories, so all our stories will be super short. I think I remember. I think it was um, Chartbeat had a a study that they released maybe a year or so ago where they they looked at their numbers for websites that did sort of these short news items versus ones that did these long four items and it actually sort of the traffic intersected at the middle at an x that there's sort of there wasn't one answer that works it all really kind yeah. of depends on what type of website you have if if people are coming to you to read long for journalism then you know give them long form journalism maybe give them a couple of shorter stories here and there but don't just make all your stories short or all your stories long if that's not what your audience wants yeah and and i would even say that it could very well be the case that you do long, uh, medium form, and short form, but they all have different objectives. So it could be that your short form content is really architected to, you know, I think about this in kind of a, a marketing or sales funnel. Short form content might be best to grow new audience that aren't familiar with your brand or the type of content you create. And maybe that gets heavily distributed on social because you know that snackable stuff is is uh, heavily shared there. Your medium form content is maybe there to serve your core group of uh, users that are coming back to your site to read what you have to say, but you know aren't there to like spend tens of minutes reading content. And then your long form content is there to maybe convert your users to say like, hey, we're doing a lot of work to produce very amazing content. And really what the end goal is that if we see a user regularly consuming long-form content, they're likely to be a subscriber, they're likely to uh, sign up for an event, or they're likely to give us their email address for a newsletter, something like that, where you know each one of those forms has could have a different objective for you, but you got to make sure that you're measuring it in the right way, and then you know really putting strategy behind what you're trying to do with each type of content. That, I think, is the ultimate lesson of using data analytics, is understanding that your reader is not one thing that they're not coming to you for one type of content and they're not coming to you necessarily at the same time of day looking for the same sort of thing and, and understanding that, you know, you have to be, you have to react to what they do and what they want and uh, be prepared to sort of mix it up a little bit. You know, that's something that I've observed uh, over the last couple of years working with this, these data analytics and it's exciting stuff. The more you learn, the more questions come up. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I enjoy having a conversation like this, because it's, it's just a constant, you know, 
challenging yourself. Okay, well, this this piece of information is telling me this. What does this mean? What does this mean for other things? And daily, just sort of making new decisions and, and, and adjusting and testing. And testing is the other thing, is, is yeah. being able to, you know, make these decisions and then looking at the data and saying, oh, I guess I guessed wrong. Or, oh, this had something different. Maybe I thought it was something else. And so maybe I should try a different approach, a different headline. And we didn't even talk about, you know, headline testing, which is, is something that your company offers. Or no, that you, or, well, actually, let me, let, me, let me stop that. Do you guys offer headline testing? Yes, we do. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, headline testing, which is something that your, your company offers. This has been a really great conversation. I appreciate you giving me uh, this time, Sachim. Say again where people can find these reports from uh, Parsley. Yeah. So if you go to Parsley, P-A-R-S-E-L-Y.com slash authority, you can download all of our authority reports uh, that cover a wide range of different things from experimenting with like content topics and tags to looking at the lifespan of articles to thinking about the impact of formats. Uh, really good stuff. And if there's any feedback on what you guys would want to see next in terms of, of our network analysis, feel free to hit us up at hello at parsley.com and we'd love to hear what your feedback is. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Take care, Michael. Okay. Next time on It's All Journalism. I was lucky enough to be able to keep my job, but I was basically told that I would be a, an entirely self-contained unit as a sports operation. They weren't going to hire anyone else to help me, and if I wanted to do the work that I wanted to do, I would have to do it myself and learn how to do it quickly. And that's such an important thing, especially on the local level where deadlines are constant. You really need to be able to focus on time management and getting things done efficiently. And that's something I really learned in Iowa, and it's been with me ever since. In our next podcast, we talk to Matt Pearl, a reporter with the NBC affiliate in Atlanta. And we have a great conversation about how to be a solo video journalist. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about digital media. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. This week's episode was edited by Nicola Grisco. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Hey, I've written a book. You can order copies of Turn Up the Volume, a Down and Dirty Guide to Podcasting on our website. Visit itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page. Isn't it time you started your podcast? Do you like the work that we're doing here at It's All Journalism? Now you can show your support on our Patreon page. Follow the link at the top of our website and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you can access exclusive content and receive updates about upcoming episodes. Donate a little bit more and we'll send you cool swag like our It's All Journalism mug or a signed copy of my podcasting book. There are even opportunities for you to submit ideas for future shows or even appear on an episode. Go to itsalljournalism.com and click on the Patreon link to find out more. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.